morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Nicholas Rocha, and it is my honor to share the scripture with you this morning. We are going to be in Romans 6, 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you, must, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let us not sin, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions, but present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, but you are not, since you are not under law, but under grace. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. Now that you said that, I'll probably start calling you Nicholas instead of Nick. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've heard you say that. How awesome. We're so excited about Nick and what God's doing in his life and in the life of so many of our young adults right now. Just really excited about what God's going to continue to do. And we're just so thankful. Um, it's always thankful to see God work in the lives of his people, of people who come to the realization of the truth of the gospel as we read it and understand it and the truth of his word, and then as we begin to apply it. You know, that's what we're talking about when we come to Mansfield Bible Church. Our desire is that we're just a group of people learning to follow after Jesus. Uh, we don't always have it all figured out, but we are following him as, as disciples, as his, as his children, as his people. And so, in that process of going through those kinds of things, there are times of great victory and there's times of defeat, but in the end, it is our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us the victory and allows us to walk after him. And so if you're not being a part of Mansfield Bible Church, uh, we're glad to have you here. Uh, we ask that you just come along, you worship with us, you learn with us, uh, and as we follow after Jesus, that we would learn to follow him together as a body of believers all of our warts and faults and all of those things as well as the victories that we gain through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, and that's why, that's why we're here. Nothing, nothing, nothing special except about us, except about the Jesus that we serve, the God that we call our Father, that we would walk after him in all of our ways and that we would never grow weary doing those things. This morning, as we gather together, if you've read 
Romans 6, and I don't know if my mic, did, did you all hear all that I was talking? Okay, good. <laughs> all of a sudden I thought, oh, maybe I wasn't on. Um, as we gather together this morning and we open up the text, and as you read Romans 6, if you're ever around me, you know that Romans 6 is one of those passages that uh, I just can't get very far away from. Uh, it was interesting. I talked to a few people and, and so forth, and uh, one of them said, yeah, I've, I've heard you, I've heard you uh, talk about Romans 6. I've never heard you teach Romans 6. And other, oh, yeah, I've heard you teach it and so forth. But the reality is the passage that I'm going to share with you today has probably had the most profound impact. All of Scripture is profitable for teaching and for rebuke and for instruction. But God used this passage in my life to cause me to be able to understand the realities of the truth of what God has done and is doing in my life. And that's important that we understand what he has done as well as what he is doing. And the reality of it is, is I went too many years in my Christian walk, even being in ministry, where my Christian walk oftentimes felt very burdensome. I just, I didn't experience the joy. I didn't, I, I mean, I was going through the motions in the sense that I believed and I trusted God. I knew his, his word was true, but it seemed like every day I lived in a day of defeat. It seemed like at times the world overwhelmed me. Uh, it seemed like the iniquity that was in my life was beyond me, in which I did not understand how to walk in such a way that I would give God glory and I'd bring my life into that new life, raised to walk in a new life that I understood when I came to Christ. And so whenever I discuss these things, I always end up in Romans 6. And, I, and, I, and as long as you're part and God allows me to, to be able to preach and teach, this is a passage that will come around again and again and again because I believe in the truths that we find in this passage this morning that is necessary just for our daily, daily walk. That we have a life in the newness of who Christ is, that we're in Christ, we have a life, and the relationship that we now have with iniquity or with sin is different than it once was. And the life that we have with God is different than it once was. And we need to understand that. We need to understand it. So today is going to be very practical aspect, and it will be times where I will get uh, very, uh, this passage moves me, it, 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 it humbles me, it brings me to the feet of God and to say thank you. Blows me away what our God has done for us. When I look at my own life and my own shortcomings, and every day I can look in the mirror and see the reality of, of the foolishness of iniquity, and yet I see the grace of my God. And to be able to walk in the grace of my God and the victory that I have in Christ Jesus, that I do not walk in the, in, after iniquity, but I walk after righteousness because of what Jesus has done. It just, it just blows me apart what God has done for us. And so while at times there's times in our, in our messages that sometimes there's, this, there's familiar messages, there's familiar things that we say, but the reality is that we need to grab these things and incorporate them into our lives and to walk after him continuously. And just because I understand these realities, just because I understand these truths, doesn't mean that I have gained them all. I'm growing in them just like you are. And so this morning, as we open up our text and we get started, we'll be in Romans chapter 6. But let us pray before we get started. Father God, I just pray, I pray, God, that every time 
when I look into your word and I see some of the messages of Roman, last week it was just the amazing love, the ridiculous love that you have towards us. It's unbelievable, God. It's full of majesty and glory. It's abundant and it's endless. It's wondrous, the love that you've demonstrated towards us. And to you, Father, we give glory. If you're for us, who can be against us? You who laid down your own son, that we might be able to stand here today in the righteousness of Christ. Lord, we praise you for that. Father, in the world that we live, so many times there's the chaos of the world, the battle that we're in, the spiritual battles that we fight, that Father, daily walking after you, being focused in you and the realities of what you've done for us. And sometimes, Father, in the midst of those, we grow tired, we grow weary. We lose perseverance, and God, you tell us not, not to grow weary, not to, not to, not to quit, not to, not to stop, but to persevere and to endure in the truth and the realities of your love. So Father, today I pray, I pray you speak to us, your people, that your spirit would move among us and that we would reinforce the things that we know and Father, strengthen those things that we have forgotten. And Father, the things that we learn and that we're enlightened in, may we, Father, take those steps of faith each and every day that we would walk after you to know, to know you, Father, and the realities of who we are in Christ Jesus. And Father, you would speak to us. Your, your spirit would move among us. Father, go past all of my own shortcomings, my own iniquities, my own sins, and speak to us today, your people, that we might not walk in darkness, but walk in the light of the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you walk into Romans chapter six, very first phrase there in verse one, what shall we say then? When you talk about Romans chapter six, one of the things you have to realize is in the context of what's, what's going on. I love Romans, it's one of my favorite books. God has used it in so many ways, so today I brought some things and some of you have seen me do these kinds of things before, but I hope you remember the truths of it. Because what's going on is that Paul's been arguing in, since Romans 1, talking about this great, great gospel that he's ready to come preach. He talks about the devastation of iniquity in, in the last part of chapter 1 and chapter 2, and, and people who thought that they could be without God and ignored God, people who excluded God from their lives and went about their own ways. And then there's those folks who thought somehow because of the goodness in their life, some way those good works will outweigh those, those, those bad and somehow God would kind of allow us in. Or those who, because they were Jews and they had been received the law, they thought for sure because of their nationality, because of their heritage, they would enter into the kingdom. And Paul comes to a place in the argument under the leadership of the Holy Spirit for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He says, therefore, we conclude that no one is justified by the works of law, but by faith. Well, what is faith? What do you mean by that, Paul? He uses Abraham, and he describes Abraham, where God takes Abraham out, and he, and he shows him the stars of the heavens. And he says, your descendants will be like these. Though Abraham's 100 years old, hoping against all hope, doesn't consider his age but it becomes fully assured that God will do, or fully convinced that God would do exactly what he said he would do. It's a great example of faith. Because in the end, we really are taking God at his word, are we not? 
because we believe from everlasting everlasting is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Interesting, in chapter four, one of the things that Paul shares with us is that Abraham believed God and it was imputed, where it was given righteousness. He was imputed righteousness. It's, a, it's an amazing chapter where he begins to talk and he begins to describe this in chapter one of verse five. He tells us therefore since, we're therefore because we have been justified by faith. Last week I mentioned about it is God who justifies. What do we mean by that? You see, a lot of times we use that word justification or justified, and we're not so always sure how that works in scripture. We hear terms like sanctification, which we will be talking about today. And we've kind of mixed those. Sometimes we read passages about sanctification and we apply it to our justification. Sometimes we read things about our justification and we apply it to our sanctification because we don't really always understand the completeness of those ideas. So when we talk about our salvation and what Paul is describing up to this point in chapter 6, before he starts, he's described our justification, whereby by God has, in a judicial term, declared us righteous. And by faith, we believe that to be true. And when God declared us righteous, it wasn't just the fact that somehow God just kind of threw things to the side, but whereby God says, you're righteous. People can bring accusations. We can look at ourselves, all of that. But God doesn't look at the righteousness of my life. He looks at the righteousness of Christ and he has declared us righteous. So when he does that, we stand in righteousness. Sometimes in, 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 in theological terms or when we're talking about it and, and so forth, we call this positional sanctification, where we call this our position, whereby God has now set us apart. By the way, before we could ever walk into sanctification and understand what sanctification is, we have to understand that God has made us righteous, our justification. And God doesn't just do this where kind of like, okay, one moment we're justified, next moment we're not, next moment we are, next moment we're not. He has declared it once and for all. Whereby now we are placed into the family of God, we are his people, we belong to him, and our justification rests on Jesus. There's nothing I do to change that. God puts us in his hand, he holds us tight, and no one can take us. I love doing that with children. I'll put a piece of paper in there and tell them, hey, try to open my hands. I one time did that with uh, some older kids. One of them happened to be like in martial arts and all, and he knew how to open up my fingers. I said, well, good thing I'm not God for your sake, right? You know, it's like, uh, like, you know, but nevertheless, here's the idea is that we've been placed in the family of God. This is done. This is settled. In fact, in Romans chapter five, when you look at beginning of verse one, and for the, I think it's first 11, 12 verses, he gives us 11 benefits of the fact that we've been justified and placed into the family of God. Isn't that remarkable? And he uses this term much more. It's not the idea that more in a, like abundance. It's this idea whereby if God will do this, the smaller, how much more will he do this? If he does these greater things, how much more will he do these things? It's a, it's a beautiful picture whereby God has delivered us and he set us free. How much more will he remember us in these things? And he goes on and he describes this relationship that is going on between Adam and Christ. It's not a relationship. It probably wasn't the right word. But the description is just as sin entered the world through Adam, so now righteousness entered the world through Jesus Christ. 
And he moves from sins to sins, so we know he's talking about this nature, this sin nature that we have, whereby God has now declared us righteous by faith. And so then they, he talks about, well, man, we're, we're sin to bound, grace more. And so then they come up with this question, like where they say, well, then, verse there in verse one, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin still live in it. I don't know about you. I remember as a young believer reading that for the first time and had no clue what does it mean. That how can we who died to sin still live in it? And I looked at my life and even today I still look at my life. It seems like I see iniquity in my life and sometimes it seems like there's some days where iniquity has uh, a greater hold on me than other days. I struggled through that in my walk with him, and sometimes I found myself in a place of defeat and not understanding my, my justification, not understanding who I was in Christ, and really beginning to supply things like when I would read a passage like "Work out your salvation uh, with uh, work out your salvation with fear." No, I'm just, no, I'm just going, fear and trembling, yeah, thank you. And, uh, and that kind of deal, though, I'm applying it to my sanctification. I mean, my justification, is that, what's, is that, what, I'm, is that what that passage is talking about? Where when it tells, you, it tells me to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which I've call, been called. Is that what he, is that what he means? Is, is he talking about this and my justification? What is that picture? So I'm gonna grab this other stool. When we talk about... <clears throat> When we talk about our new life in Christ, there's an aspect whereby now in our sanctification, and this is gonna represent our sanctification, this is representing our justification. The reality is that my sanctification flows out of my justification. You hear me say it a lot of times, don't forget who you are, right? Don't forget who you are in Christ Jesus. Don't forget the righteousness that God has given you in Christ, that he who knew no sin became sin, that you might be made in the righteousness of God. You cannot hear that verse enough, that you understand that, and that's been established. But now as God has made me righteous, what's going on in my sanctification is that there's an outflow, there's a there's the growing of the reality of who I am in Christ now taking place in my life. That God is now Change this relationship I once had with sin into righteousness that now I walk after him. So when it said that, I was like, oh my goodness, what does that mean? And it means that my identification with Jesus Christ is so transforming that it transforms my whole life experience. No longer am I walking after the world, and we like to have these list of things that do's and don'ts, and those are important. But the reality is that the change that took place whereby God has declared me righteous, and now I'm living it out in my sanctification of who I am in Christ. So there's three words in the first 14 verses of uh, chapter six that have become profound for me to the place where literally I quote these day in and day out. I sometimes quote the old King James where I first learned it, no reckon yield. But in our text today, it's no consider and present. 
You see, you know, he, Paul's wanting us to know and understand something. And he says, right, he says right there at the beginning, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Look at verse, verse three. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him, buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When we talk about this idea of dead to sin, we're talking about separation. We're talking about the, the power of sin that once had in my life. There was a time in my life where I could not do anything but sin. Every, all my motives, everything, intent, all of those things. Sin had such a dominating power, but now because of I've, been, I've identified with Christ, there is now an experience whereby I begin to experience righteousness in Christ. I am in Christ. I identify with him. I so identify with his death, his burial, and resurrection. And that when Christ died, I died. When Christ rose, I rose. And so when I'm now even in the presence of Scripture, tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, I am actually literally seated with him in the heavenlies in Christ. And because of this union with Christ, it changed my whole relationship to sin and to the way that I walk in this world. And so what Paul does is he uses this illustration of baptism. We had, a, we had baptisms last week. And so when we talk about baptisms in this passage, he's not necessarily talking about the physical baptism. He's talking about what's going on spiritually, what is taking place. In fact, the word baptism means to dip or immerse it, it literally has the idea to identify or to be immersed in. And what he tells us here is that we're to be alive in Christ and dead to sin. It's the power of the resurrection when he says to raise, to walk in a newness of life. I've always been, I've always been moved by that because when I remember when my baptism, I share it every time I get a chance. And he's bringing me out of the water and I hear those words, raised to walk in newness of life. I knew my life was never to be the same. What I didn't understand on that day is I didn't understand that God has declared me righteous and that's already settled. Do you know Christ this morning? Have you received him into your life? If, you're, if you have, do you realize that you have been declared righteous and your righteousness is not your own, but it's only in Christ? And if you realize that, that God has an intent and in the way that he's growing out in your life to set you apart more and more unto himself, separated from the world, separated from unrighteousness, separated to himself, that you would walk after him. That you'd be more and more like his son. And the reality of it is, is that when we tell us in the scriptures that we walk by faith and not by sight, so many times what happens is I begin to walk by faith, right? And then I see the foolishness of my own life. Foolish decisions I made, the way I reacted, the way sin got better of me that day. And what do I do? I begin to doubt my justification. I begin to doubt my righteousness in Christ. I begin to wonder if God really delivered me. And in our day, in our time, in our culture, we begin to doubt the reality of who Christ is. We have Christians and in the church that are, that are moving away from faith, left and right. Why? Because they forgot who they are in Jesus Christ. They forgot the reality of what God has done. They're over here and they're thinking, well, there's nothing here because they haven't learned to walk in the righteousness that God has made them. 
And I find that some days, you know, you start walking in this newness of life and the burdens of this world and you start, and you, you have to come to a place where, wait a second, I gotta know who I am. I gotta know who I am in Christ Jesus and the righteousness of who he is. And that's why we fall away so many times and we go back to our own ways because we don't understand what God has done in our justification and therefore we don't know how to live it out in our lives and who he is setting us apart in our sanctification. Those two words aren't words to, to run from or to be, a, be afraid of. They are, they are realities of who we are in Christ. That God is in the process of setting us apart. In verse 5, Verse 5, when I, I still read this verse, and I remember it hit me so hard. It says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. If we have been identified with him in our death, when we buried and we, we, we died to ourselves, and we've been made new as, as his children in his righteousness, then surely we will be united with him in the walk that we have in new life. You know what happens is so many times is that, is that we kind of live in the in-between, and that's what I did for a while. We kind of live here where I believe, I believe God, I believe what he's done, I believe he saved me, I don't really understand my, that he's made me righteous. I still doubt that because I see all the issues in my life, and sin, sin, sin seems to have dominion over me, even though it doesn't, but I don't understand that. And so I live there and I never get to experience my sanctification where God, God is working and setting me apart. And so what I do is I find myself in constant turmoil, never really understanding the blessings and the joy, the joy of the Lord, wow, and the comfort and the peace with my God. And some of you are here this morning and if you were to be honest, you would be sitting here going, Greg, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I mean, I believe in God, I go to church, I do all these things, but to be honest with you, if I had to really be honest with you, my, my walk with God isn't all that great. I mean, I make it here on Sunday, but then the rest of the week, I don't know where God is in my life. Because you've forgotten who you are in Jesus Christ. You've forgotten the righteousness by which you stand, which you, which, you, which you are in Christ. You've forgotten it, and you haven't learned how to walk in it. Blew me away when I read this, that God expects me. Look, look how Paul says it again in the last part of verse 5. We shall certainly be united with him in, his res, in a resurrection like his. In a new life, you are a new creation. Don't forget who you are. In fact, he goes on in verse six, and I love how he does this. Here's the word no. In fact, I underline no in all of my, in my passage. In verse six, he says, we know. This isn't a doubt. This isn't what we think. This isn't what we hope. This isn't, well, I'm, I'm kind of pretty sure. What does he say? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that, the, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. What's he talking about here? He says, hey, we know, we know that old self, that life that I had 
before the righteousness of Christ, before I believed in God, and before God declared me righteous, that life I had where everything I did was in the, in the, in the realm of iniquity, because that's all I knew. That's the only thing I knew. I didn't know about the righteousness or understanding. I might have heard about the righteousness of God. I might have heard these things and thought that was good. I just kind of thought, you know, being kind to everybody was enough. Being good, that was enough. But it wasn't. Because even, even in the times I did good, you know what I did? I took pride in it. Hey, look at me, man. I did pretty good. Look at all the people I helped. I mean, it, it just can't get away from it. And then what did God do? In that old self, it was crucified. I recognize it in the death of Christ, in the burial of Christ, that it was put away and I put on my new self, who is what? In the righteousness of Christ. And I begin to set myself apart. He says, hey, do we not know that old self was crucified, rendered inactive, made of no effect, inoperative, and yet at the same time, sin still wants to be your master. Just want you to know that. It finds a foothold in our old selves and it seeks to take control. And I, and I found myself living in that. And so I have a little deal that I do and I got my hammer over here. <clears throat> Some of y'all know what I'm about to do. The other ones just have no idea. I'm gonna throw my, I'm gonna throw my hammer on the floor. That's what I'm gonna do. I, do. I literally do this on a regular basis. I, I see a cross, I see, whether it's this cross or, or, or not, but I, I think of Christ. Through his death on the cross that he dealt with sin once and for all. His burial, his resurrection, he conquered sin and death. Because he was able to do that, God justified me by faith that I stand in the righteousness of Christ. And so I find myself, and you, like you, there's things that I do. I do some things that are pretty consistently. Sometimes I find myself getting aggravated really easy. Sometimes I find words that come out of my mouth that I wish I wouldn't, wouldn't come out when I say things to people. I mean, gosh, I'm all, sorry for the pause. It's just a long list all of a sudden ran. I was like, well, Lord, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna talk about that one. I don't wanna talk about that one. Not that one either. Let's leave this one down here. And you have them too, okay? So don't get too laughing, all right? And so that thing comes along and I know it's iniquity. And I'm reminded that Christ died for that. And he settled it once and for all. And in my mind's eye, if I know that that old man has been crucified, that old self has been crucified, then I remind myself, it's nailed right back here to the cross. And mentally, I just take it and I put it right back. And I go, that's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am anymore. You hang around me, I, people see my faults, I, I have plenty of them. But you know what? That isn't who I am anymore. You take them and you nail them back because it's in Christ that I stand. If God declared me righteous, do I not stand in the righteousness of Christ? Is your righteousness today something you've attained? Or has it been given to you by God? He declares righteousness. And when we by faith believe him and we stand in his righteousness, who am I that I would understand somehow that I would give 
mastery to those things. And when I do that, when I nail it back to the cross, I'm reminding myself that isn't who I am, but at the same time, I'm confessing. I'm acknowledging to God that that isn't who I am. That isn't who you created me to be. Those aren't the things I need. And I agree with you, God. I agree with you that that is sin. And if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, literally, to be honest with you, this, this picture goes through my mind on a regular basis all day long. When, when God reveals and I re- shows me something, I, I have to put it right back there. For Christ dealt with it on the cross. I stand in the righteousness of Christ. That isn't who I am anymore. I'm gonna by faith take faith, take a step of faith, believing that God's gonna continue to change that in my life, that I would walk after him in his righteousness because I have been set apart because of what Christ has done. To him be the glory and the praise forever. It's not what I've attained. It's what he has attained through his son, Jesus Christ. And now he calls me his own, his own and part of the children of God, the family of God, have you received Christ today? The reality of what I just shared is true for you too. There is no power to do that in of myself. I, I mean, yeah, there's some people that are really great and disciplined, and they can create some particular lifestyle that looks good or fits, but until Christ changes who they are and they understand the righteousness of Christ, that's all it is, it's discipline. Some folks think they can get it through, through other means and, and, it, and it falls short. And he says in verse seven, for who has, for who has died has been, has, has been set free from sin. You hear that? That one that has died when you've set free from sin. You know what? How do I say this? I think so many times we spend so much time trying to redefine and change sin that we don't realize that Jesus has already delivered us. He's already done it. Why do we have to do that? Verses 8 through 10. He says, we know, there it is again, that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So, listen, you see that? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That you live by means of him. You don't live in your own way, but you live by means of who he is. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Second word is consider, and he's there in verse, verse 11. He says, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word consider there is an accounting term. It literally means to reckon. She used 41 times in the New Testament, 19 times in the book of Romans. And it's the picture of, if this is true, just like when I saw those things in my life, I have to reckon them too. I put them back. I reckon back. And I charge them to the account of my own life and I charge righteousness to my life because that's who it is in Christ Jesus. That I no longer, I no longer consider those things. I consider myself dead to sin because that isn't who I am and alive to God. It's not a promise, by the way. It's a fact. 
we are dead to sin and alive to God. And he commands us to act on that. God has declared you righteous and he expects you to live in righteousness in the righteousness of Christ that he has produced. Not in your righteousness, but in his righteousness. It's something that has happened because of our faith in Christ and the knowledge of who he is and what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ. He goes on and the third word is to yield or present in our modern languages. He says in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign, that's the idea of kingly power, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. It's interesting here, a couple of things. Therefore, he's referring in light of these truths. If I reckon that to be true, now what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to present, yield my members as instruments. It's interesting that word instruments, it's a, it's a, a military term of like armor and weapons that they would carry. And the picture is, is that we are stopped using that which God has given us for unrighteousness. And we're start using those things that he has given us for righteousness. It's the distinction of the life. It's the distinction of understanding who I, who I was and who I am in righteousness because of Christ and beginning to use my things that God has given me for righteousness. No longer tied from the, I like that from, he says in verse, last part, from life, from death to life. Some of you this morning are walking around and you, and you, you may know Christ. You may have received Christ in your life, but you're walking around and you're feeling death. Because you're walking around not in the righteousness that God has given you, but walking around in the unrighteousness and you're using your members for unrighteousness. That needs to change. You do that because you, you know what God has done and you consider it to be so and you reckon it to be so and you yield yourself to God. Verse 14, he says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Let me just wrap this up. <clears throat> There's some things I need to know in my Christian life. I need to know what God has done. No longer am I, am I living the life I once had because of the righteousness of Christ, because of my justification, because he has declared me righteous. That is something I know. Because of what Christ has done on the cross. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Yeah, amen, thank you. Do you know that, why? Because by faith, you're believing, fully convinced, just like Abraham, that God will do exactly what he's done in the person of his son. And his righteousness has now been applied to you because of, because of your faith and your trust in him. All right? So now you need to do something. You need to reckon that to be true. You go out here today and somebody pulls out in front of you and you want to run them down, run them off the road. I'm being extreme right now, right? Let's be a little more personal. Your spouse says something, you just can't take it. I mean, it goes on. And you want to respond in that old self. And then you remember, wait, who am I? 
who am I? And you take that and you put it back here to the cross, that's not who I am anymore. And you begin to respond in righteousness because of who you are in Christ Jesus. And you yield and present your members, your, your, yourself to God, not to sin. In fact, in the latter part, if we walk into verses 15 and following, basically Paul's making the argument, who you yield yourself to is your master. You wanna know who's leading your life? Who are you yielding yourself to? Iniquity, your old self, or to God? It's a good evaluation. And here's this picture, no reckon you. When you leave today, my encouragement to you is to remember those three words, to understand the realities of those truths, that you will go out here today and you not forget that you, you are a child of God if you've received Christ. If you haven't received Christ, then you're, you're not standing in the righteousness of God. You're standing in your own righteousness, your own thoughts, your own wills, your own direction. And that's a different place. But God has sent his son and we've concluded that it is not by works that I reach righteousness, it's by faith whereby God declared me righteous and that we walk after him. Today would be a day if you haven't received Christ to do that. If you're a believer this morning, maybe you've forgotten who you are and it's a day to remember who you are and to walk in the righteousness of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I just, I just pray, Father, that um, the realities of these truths of, of Romans chapter six, that, Father, we would, we would understand, we would know. So many times we walk about in our, in our faith and our walk with you, Father, and we forget who you are. Uh, we listen to the world, we watch things on the news, and we see podcasts and everything else that tells us all these other things and we begin to forget. We get active in the world, we get distracted and we begin to forget who we are and we start acting in the way that, that's, that, that fits us. We've, we somehow think that's better for us. And the reality is then we forget what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, may we today begin to reconcile those things to be true, that we would reckon those things to be true and reckon them in our life and, and understand the realities of it and begin to present ourselves in righteousness by faith. Sometimes, Father, when we step out in faith, we don't always understand when the reality is that we begin to realize your goodness and, and truth to us. Often in the times when we step out in faith, and when we begun to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of that which we've been called because we were in the righteousness of Christ, and that we put on things, we put on peace, and we put on goodness, and we put on righteousness, and we demonstrate the love that we can have for one another, and, and we put off those things that cause division, and we put off those things that cause hate, and we walk after you. Father, teach us today that we might grow in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.